Hola, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Um, I feel like every year there seems to have like this little false start to spring um, when kind of it's winter just creeps back and gets us. And yes. so I was really interested in chatting with Haley. I know for our, my perspective of like native plants and different other plant species and in the natural area, I definitely see the impacts of sometimes that sneaky winter coming back. And so I wanted to talk about how we deal with that in the vineyard. So we're going to talk about bud break and frost and when winter comes back to bite us in the bud. Yeah, that was that <laughs> one. Uh, so anyways, uh, so let's bud into, haha, break into this conversation. Too many bad puns for the early <laughs> morning. I'm sorry. Hang in there. It's a good conversation, y'all. <laughs> Haley, let's just jump right into it. The sneaky tack of a winter. What are a few tricks and tips to avoid frost damage in the winter? I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. So I'll go through some definitions. Um, Okay. It's not universal, but I believe that when we talk about frost damage, Mm -hmm. it's in the fall when we get a frost or a freeze that comes through after your growing season. That's what we would call a frost. And then we have the winter season where everything is cold. Uh, There can be severe damage, winter damage, if you have a really cold winter um, Mm -hmm. or a really hard freeze event where it's, you know, and then um, it depends on each variety. But I would say if it's under zero degrees Fahrenheit for more than 14 days, you're probably most of your uh, grapevine tissue is going to be damaged, if not dead. Um, and that's, I like, like I said. Like you would have to restart? Mm-hmm, or grow oh, from no. root, uh, roots if you have, uh, they're on their own rootstock, things like that. Yeah. Or replant, cut back, things like that. And like I said, it might just be damaged. Every varietal is a little different and they have different tolerances. And there are cold hardy varieties or uh, Vitis labrusca varieties. So not Vitis vinifera but American varieties or hybrid varieties. Um, When we talk about freeze damage, typically it's in the spring. Mm -hmm. So when we have uh, things start to warm up and then we have a freeze at night rather than frost, which is in the fall. I see. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, no, it's okay. (laughs) It's not something that, and you can use both interchangeably because it's what happens. You have a frost event. But typically, I just think about like with planting for my veggie crops, and it talks about like plant after the last frost. Mm -hmm. So that's where I get my terminology from. And like I said, you can use them interchangeably frost and freeze. Sometimes people do say frost more for fall and freeze more for spring. Okay. Okay. And yes, there are many tools that we have in our vineyard tool belt to prevent damage, spring, early spring damage in the vineyard because of cold weather. 
What are some of those tricks, tools? Or are we going to yeah. talk about them later? No, we can talk about them now. Um, your biggest tool is going to be um, timing of, well, your biggest tool is going to be site selection. And your second oh. biggest tool is going to be choosing the appropriate variety for your site. Hopefully, okay. you take the time to learn about your site, maybe put in a weather station or at least take data before you plant so that you know how cold on average it gets in the winter, how hot on average it gets um, in the summer, what your growing degree days are for the season, things like that. And once you have that information, you can then make about your site that you've selected. You mm -hmm. can then get to know the site specifically. You know, are there low spots where the cold air drainage is going to get stuck and you're going to have mm -hmm. more freeze damage in that area because you're going to have cold air that gets stuck there? You can think of um, air actually moves very similar to water. So it's going to roll downhill. It's going to get stuck in little divots and hollows. And as long as you have a place for that cold air to drain, you're not going to have as much damage caused by freeze and frost events. You'll still have some and it's okay. still possible, but it's less uh, if you have that ability to have cold air drain off of your site. I remember when you were first starting your vineyard, really, that you were doing that research because you were talking mm -hmm. especially, I know at, a, at at some points you were looking at a couple different sites before you had eventually landed on even your site. And yeah. some of them were a bit more north than who you currently are as well. And you were talking about, okay, if I go here, then this is like a very new region that I would really have to like be experimenting with different varieties. And so I remember you talking talking about that discussion and uh, or ha having that conversation with me. And then the other thing I was going to say is it just reminds me of kind of a lot of the other topics that we've talked about in this uh, podcast, especially when I'm kind of put on the spot from the ecology perspective. And I'm always like, plan, 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 think about yes. it, plan ahead. And that's exactly what you're kind of saying here too, is it's, there's other I think we'll talk about later, like tricks of like when you're in the season of like, okay, this is what I've got and this yes. is how I can can adjust to it. But it sounds like what's most important is that planning and right. thinking and setting yourself up for success there. Yes. I think that the planning, the um, choosing your the right site, if it's mm -hmm. possible. If you already have land, then obviously you just want to work with your site to make sure you make the best decisions for that site. Totally fine. Mm -hmm. And then choosing the right varietals to plant. And sometimes that might be yeah. a hybrid, like I was saying, of a Vitis uh, Labrusca vinifera hybrid or a Vitis, um, there's another one that I'm not thinking of right now. But And then once you have plants in the ground and mm -hmm. it's a year-to-year -year thing, the biggest tools you'll have is... Uh, pruning probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it depends we'll on how much you have later. <laughs> how much yeah, acreage you have planted too. Sometimes it's it's just a uh business decision. Like you when you have the labor, you have to prune. You don't necessarily get to wait. But if you use pruning um early on, especially as your vineyard is becoming established to try to prevent any uh spring frost damage, then mm -hmm. you would be waiting um, because when you prune, depending on your timing, you can sometimes delay your bud break by a couple weeks. Okay, yeah. So that brings up the next question before I really want to dive into both of these topics of the, you know, Pruning winter break. <laughs> freeze damage as well as 
Bud break. What yeah. is bud break? Bud break is uh, when, so in any plant, not just grapes, <laughs> you have buds, primary that buds. Breaks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> primary <laughs> buds and latent buds. But typically mm-hmm. you're going to see the primary buds start to swell. Then you mm-hmm. know that they're, they're they're getting close to to breaking, which is when they actually start to open up and you can see actual leaves typically is what you'll see first. Sometimes yeah. the things in other plants that break first are flowers. So you'll see flowers first. But mm-hmm. uh, in grapes, you're going to see little green leaves kind of finally, like it'll get, go from woolly bud, which is it looks like a sheep rubbed up against your plant and there's like wool on all the buds. Yeah. Then the next step is bud swelling. And then the fi- the final step is bud break when it actually gets so big that it bursts open and then you can see all the little leaves and inflorescences inside. Yeah, and we're you'll you'll learn our style here real soon, but <laughs> we are recording this mid March. Yeah. And it'll launch. I know at least here in, you know, northern Willamette Valley, you know, south uh, Washington, that the buds of the trees and such, I don't, I've not been out to a vineyard lately, so I don't know about that, but they are starting like basically this last week and stuff. I really started seeing that bud break on a oh, lot cool. of species. Yeah. Oregon, um, Oso berry uh, is one of our uh, native shrub species, and it's always like the first one that it's like, <laughs> hello, here's spring, and oh, nice. it is leafing out right now. So spring is here, um, and yeah. hopefully we don't get that secondary. I think we, I think, fingers crossed, that we have missed that like major freeze event like we had last year that kind of came after that really yeah. impacted things. Hopefully. But um, fingers crossed for a nice spring. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to also check in with you with, okay, so there's the actual like what you would describe as bud break, but a couple of things that I did notice when doing some research is like people kind of followed that through to calling bud break or like including in this whole process. And maybe that's because it has to do with the freezing aspect of things, but the actual growing too of that mm-hmm. first growth of yes. the plant. So would you include that section in your definition or no? Well, it is the first, it's pushing that first growth. So that's what's causing the bud to burst open and and yeah, have that initial growth. And the reason, well, each plant species is different. So they have different hardiness levels for their new green tissue. Grapes, a lot of this vinifera grapes aren't that hardy. So if we do have a frost event or a freeze event come through and they've got new green growing tissue, it's going to get burned or just killed completely. And um, that's when you have a secondary or a latent bud typically start to push. For vitis vinifera, for grapes in general, if you have that second, that instead of the initial bud, if that Mm -hmm. one gets killed and then you have another bud that comes in behind it, that's great. Your plant's going to be fine. Um, but you probably won't have much of a crop because a lot of the mm-hmm. actual inflorescences and berries that will have mm-hmm. developed are in those primary First, buds. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Um, and then I just wanted to quickly bring up the point of deciduous plants um, yes. that lose their leaves. And just like, because I think that I've, I've been seeing more people talk about it lately of kind of why, why, do, why would a plant choose this life structure? Um, <laughs> and it kind of plays into our conversation. But yes. I just wanted to talk about how Plants will lose their leaves because the leaf is their primary source of photosynthesis, essentially eating, other than, you know, nutrition uptake from the soil. So there's not enough, in, especially in this in the northern hemisphere, and as you get in more north, um, in the wintertime, there's... What? And opposite in the southern hemisphere as you get more yeah, south. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So the closer you get to the poles, the um, there in the winter, you're not going to have enough sunlight for photosynthesis to have enough time for photosynthesis. So the plant loses that leaves so that they're not losing, you know, that water exchange through their stomatas as well as like, um, again, it's just, it's not productive for the plant. And right. so they instead choose to lose those leaves. If you think about like conifers that don't lose their leaves, their needles are really small surface area. So they're not, you know, they're not going to have that damage of the big, mm -hmm. big leaf. Um, and so, and it's also too cold. And so that's just more area for freezing to happen and damage to happen on the plant in the winter. So that's why they kind of choose that life site or that life process. Yes. So very different types of trees. Maybe we'll, I'll put in the show notes, a good book about trees, even though we're, you know, <laughs> mostly talk about vines, but <laughs> no, but it plays but it, into that. And the, the reason the why mm -hmm. this seasonality is like, okay, now it's getting warmer. Yes. We're getting those longer sunlight days. So, Hey, we're going to kick into photosynthesis so that I can basically nourish myself. Right. I've actually re read that it's a lot um, it does have to do with uh, warmth and the change of the season in, in terms mm -hmm. of that, but it more has to do with this once you get away from the equator sunlight and yeah. like that lengthening of the sunlight. So it's, it, that's what signals to the, the um, plant it's time to start growing yeah. again. And then once the days start shortening, there's that signal to the plant that it's time to start taking that, those nutrients that we've put out into the new growth and start mm -hmm. bringing them back into the woody tissue and losing yep. the leaves so that uh, winter, we're ready for winter. It's so cool how plants and animals really cue into those like slight changes yeah. in their environment to like why they're doing certain things. So it was, um, um, yeah. speaking of that, we, when we had the eclipse, mm -hmm. it was crazy how, uh, the I think it was all the crickets. I'm trying to think of what. Yeah, it must have been crickets. Yeah, it was middle of the day, hot, whatever. That sun went away, and first off, the temperature dropped way more than yeah. I thought it was going to. And all the bugs, like all of the bugs that you usually hear in at dawn and dusk, were like, uh, I guess it's time to do my thing. <laughs> <laughs> it started like the crickets got really loud, and yeah, and then the sun started coming back out again, and everything shifted back. It was crazy. Yeah. So yes, those the the light, the cues of light can be crazy, which is also why having lights on at night and mm -hmm. other things can be a problem for things like migratory birds as well as bugs in the area, not just stargazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to go into uh, varieties. Okay. Hopefully that's okay. Yes. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about 
what varieties break first and kind of that progression, um, especially thinking about your planning for your area. We in the vineyard, so first off, I'm not going to talk about specific varieties. As a general rule, Chardonnay kind of is uh, an early breaking variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chardonnay is planted kind of everywhere. So that's a good one to use as a benchmark. If you have things that break before that, cool. Um, I'm not saying it's always the first one. I'm just saying it's it's typically an earlier bud break. Um, mm-hmm. On our site, we have Chardonnay, Malvasia, and Syrah planted. And that's the mm-hmm. order that they bud break in. Chardonnay and Mal are usually, the Mal, Malvasia, Bianca, are typically uh, within a week of each other. Mm-hmm. And then the Syrah is has been up to three or four weeks behind those two. Okay. But it's also planted in a slightly cooler spot. Um, oh, okay. We didn't Your think it was... Your microclimate is yeah, impacting that. We didn't think it was that much cooler, but it's, I mean, this time of year when it's cooler, it's maybe one or two degrees cooler. In the growing season, usually it's about the same, but um, mm-hmm. but Yeah. Thinking so, about your slope selection. Yeah. And I was reading that it, at least like in the Willamette Valley slash down to like Napa, the, you know, this, the west side <laughs> area. Um, that, west I mean, coastal. again, those microclimates are playing in. So this is just, it's a, a very high level. But I was reading everything from March to June in terms of their species uh, when bud breaks happen. So, yeah, you know as we're recording right now, potentially. And especially, I think, mm-hmm. this year, it is it is a little bit earlier. So um, the cues are just, the warm cue right. is, is definitely there. So Yeah, I would be, um, again, site selection. Just get to know your site. Yeah. Choose the right varieties. If you're in a shorter growing season, you're probably going to want something that is going to break early. Mm-hmm. but also not so early that you're going to every year run into a problem with spring damage. <laughs> yeah. So that gets to kind of my next line of questions, thinking about weather impacts, yeah. um, especially March, April. I feel like the weather I sometimes is a bit bipolar in our region <laughs> or just swinging back and forth quite yeah. um, regularly. We actually the other day literally had a morning that was blue skies, sunny here, just like not a cloud in the sky. By afternoon, it was torrential downpour. Right. And you're just like, where did that beautiful day go? And now <laughs> I'm like stuck with this like black skies of doom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was like so happy. And then it was just like, so I just think about those like other weather impacts that are happening at the same time that the bud breaks are happening. Like, mm-hmm. are you nervous about that? Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, typically, I would say most vineyard growers, managers, people that rely on a vineyard product uh-huh. <laughs> or any kind of probably fruit product, um, not so much row crops because you have a little more yeah. different a uh, little uh, different controls and t- tools to work with, but any weather makes vineyard people nervous. Most nervous Nellies. <laughs> I would say. Mo- I mean, they're just going to be nervous because anything is. It can be crazy. You can you can have yeah. like you said, warm weather and it's raining, and you're like, oh, this is great. Means we don't have to turn the water on yet. And mm-hmm. then for some reason, you get a microburst and 
or not a microburst, but a, a weird weather event and everything freezes and like all of mm-hmm. the water freezes and that's not good. <laughs> or um, you have a hail event that all of a sudden breaks off a bunch of your yes. newly formed buds and you're like, I would Great. say when the buds are still, haven't broken yet, mm-hmm. um, it's not, the weather events are not as nerve wracking. Okay. I okay. mean, if if you get, a really hard freeze for some reason late in the spring, mm-hmm. even if your buds haven't broken, that should that's going to make people nervous. But as long okay. as the buds haven't broken, you have a lot more protection. There's a lot more heat actually kept in the plant and, and it's more stable. Once mm-hmm. those buds break, every weather event, even strong winds can be a problem. Or okay. like if you get a 95 degree day in April, which has happened, ah. um, you are worried then that the plant is in stress because it got so hot so fast. Um, it's just like people. Like you, if you, if we lived outside with absolutely no shelter, that's one of yeah. the things we need for survival. Like if we had no shelter, the different weather events would affect us really adversely as well. There's only so much you can do to stay protected. So let's, yeah, let's talk about some of those things that you can do. And I'm just going to first start it off with one that I was reading about yeah. that I'm curious to know more is they were saying, I'm just going to jump to the punchline. They were <laughs> This place was saying that with the fluctuation of the spring and potential freezes mm-hmm. to maybe even put your irrigation on when you know a freeze event is going to happen because it claimed that then it will encapsulate the bud and that's the timing issue that you were saying because you know you can't yeah. do it too late but it will actually freeze around the bud and it will actually keep the bud protected from even lower temperatures oh cool have you heard about this i have, have not you? i would okay. assume that's an like um the type of irrigation they're probably talking about is over overhead sprinklers. Yep, yep. To um, put so you, on your sprinklers. So you're going to have most vineyard managers in the Northwest are not going to have that as an option unless they have a older planted site. Okay. Most uh, vineyards in the Northwest are going to be on drip irrigation. Okay, but if yeah. you have flood irrigation, there's also a benefit if you're going to get right around freezing to mm-hmm. actually flood your your orchard or vineyard because, and I don't understand all of the um, <laughs> reasons why <laughs> physics that goes on here, but I think what it is, is it acts one as an insulator. The water yeah. actually, it takes, it's harder mm-hmm. for the water to change temperature. So it yeah. it helps to, to kind of insulate the, the yeah. also the air that's in the area. And I think it has something to do with as the water freezes, it also gives off some water vapor, which actually can bump the temperature just slightly enough to keep freeze damage from happening. Yeah. So that would be the water stuff. A couple of like the beautiful picture, they are beautiful pictures, but they're also horrifying pictures that you see of smudge pots, especially in um, like European countries where- Can you define what a smudge pot is mm-hmm. before you tell the story? <laughs> Where if they get a if they run up against a possible freeze event, they actually have all these little um, uh, most I, there's different names for them chimeneas or little yeah. um, pot-bellied kind of stoves, open stoves that yeah. that you use outside. So they just like every five ten feet 
along the edge of a vineyard, they have these things burning. And I don't know mm-hmm. what kind of fuel they use. I'm sure back in the day it was, uh, you know, wood and yeah. charcoal, things like that. But they they try to heat everything up by just having these... <laughs> smudge pots. Okay. Yeah, smudge pots going. And they there are places in the Northwest that still have smudge pots. Every so often you'll go out to a site and you'll see these kind of things. And if you know what you're looking at, you're like, wow, these guys still have smudge pots. Um, yeah. I don't think they're in use as much in vineyards in the Northwest, but I do see them at uh, a lot of orchards. So uh, I think there must be a different timeline for bud break and things like that. And I think that cherries are pretty early, so they they can tend to be more susceptible to freeze um, damage, things like that. Thanks for defining that. I definitely, with smudge pots, was thinking about, I've done a lot of stuff with some of our um, Native American indigenous communities here. And so a lot of um, their ceremonies, they have smudge pots. So I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to assume totally it's similar concept, <laughs> but I was like, you know, but a little different. So yeah. cool. The other thing um, you see sometimes in vineyards and orchards are wind machines. Mm, yes, like, uh, windmills. What is happening with those? <laughs> <laughs> they look like windmills, but a oh, windmill okay, typically will turn with, like, the wind will power it. It will cause mm-hmm. the wind will cause the turning. Whereas this is like a giant fan. A wind machine is like a giant fan okay. where they use power to turn the blades to push the air around. Um, yeah. and that I don't know if that just helps push the cold air. If you don't have enough cold air drainage, it might help push the cold air out so that that warmer air can move in and you don't have as much freeze uh, That's Yeah, that's what I was learning about them was that okay. it helps with if an inversion forms or oh, something yeah. to help move things around, especially thinking of the microclimates, the yeah. little like valleys and depths of it. Because um, if you think of kind of the layer of the atmosphere, there's certain areas and if you have some cloud formation come in and how it traps the different air, like just moving it around in certain ways can help with kind of creating your own microclimate that's Definitely. beneficial for your, your crops. Cool. Uh, are, would you say that do cover crops also help create a microclimate? They do, yeah. So I was reading a little bit and it was really fun for me as I said, cover crops, they strike again. There's so <laughs> many important uses of cover crops. Um, one of the things that I was reading is one, you know, it's uh, all the other benefits of soil health, bringing pollinators, all of that is really good. Keeping um, the one of the things that it can do is with water management, thinking about if whether you want to have the water be kind of pulled into those cover crop areas so that they're keeping water away from your vines, you know, and competing for the water source or, you know, cutting it down and allowing it. Also the height, that was the cool thing that I was learning about. I actually went to, I'm just going to do a shout out. I When I was Googling, I found this really cool uh, winery called the Jordan Winery down oh, in the yeah. snow. Homa, um, and they had some really awesome videos about this, and they were the ones that really talked about how they use their cover crops and managing the height of their cover crops because similar to the wind machines, um, based on where your height of is can kind of impact that 
very microclimate of where the air is settling. And if you have your cover crop too high, then your air is settling at that same point that your buds are on your vines potentially. So by cutting it at certain times, then you <laughs> are like helping protect and like actually lowering that like microclimate air column. Huh. And so then you have like your warmer air settling um, right where the buds are versus cool. settling, you know, if, right. if they're not, because if you think warm air rises, so anyway, the, the settling is just right there at that layer. So that was really cool um, thing I had not thought about, cover crops influencing during this yeah. time of year. So Yeah, um, usually you just think of them as, yeah, I have never heard of them used for like frost protection, but that makes sense. Yeah, so I, I really like that. Thank you to that vineyard, Jordan Winery, to for uh, pointing that one out. And they have some really awesome videos that just explain this whole process as well as oh, cool. um, they have some really cool time lapses of bud breaking. So we'll link that in the show notes because I learned a lot from them. So good on you. Way to educate us. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So, um, so thinking about how you know, mentioned cutting cover crops, you had mentioned at the very top about winter pruning. So how does that impact the new buds, the growth, as well as like, you know, how, how yes, the winter freeze is impacting it? Mm -hmm. I mentioned that sometimes you can delay your bud break by a couple of weeks, depending on your mm -hmm. timing um, for uh, your actual pruning practice. Yeah, And there's also other things. You can actually speed up bud break. Uh, there's a couple things to do that. Uh, would, it would be like cane, bending the canes sometimes and oh. like kind of, um, it, it's not that typical in the Northwest because we typically see spur pruned vines. If you guys have yeah. questions about pruning, go back to the pruning episode because um, there's going to be a little more information about what spur position yeah. training is versus cane um, pruning. So cane pruning um, can happen in shorter growing climates. Okay. So you actually use cane pruning because you're able to lay a cane down and in that process of bending the cane and kind of um, causing, I think it has to do with causing a little bit of interior damage. It actually starts a hormone reaction that helps mm. wake the plant up a little sooner okay. than if you were to just chop off the ends uh, but okay. chopping off the ends also does that same thing um, yeah. it causes a hormone reaction that helps wake the plant up which means if you delay your pruning you can actually delay your bud break by just okay. a little bit sometimes um, okay. I don't understand all of the hormone reactions that cause it but I've I've heard that if you have a new vineyard you should try to delay your pruning um, you don't want to push it too late because then you can get behind and then you have bud break while you're in the midst of pruning and that's not great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was also thinking kind of earlier, and this is a good point of like, if you're delaying your vines and your your grape growing too far into the late season, yeah. then you end up having with freezes happening, which sometimes you want for certain varieties, especially I think of like some of the sweet wines and dessert mm, wines definitely. where you actually kind of want to freeze. But I'm just saying like, then it can impact that yes. later on. So It's true. So you want to yeah. be able to get your vines ripe enough <laughs> or mm -hmm. your fruit ripe enough on your vines, but you also 
yes, sometimes want to delay your bud break because yes. you don't want them to be damaged in the spring. So it's, def- it's always a balance. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you can do to try to get bud break to happen a little earlier if you're in a short season mm-hmm. is called bud rubbing. So literally you're oh. rubbing the buds to try, like, it, again, it's a hormone thing and um, complicated, <laughs> but it works. Um, and so that's very popular <laughs> in parts of France and I've seen it in the UK oh. as well. Do you rub your buds? <laughs> um, well, no. I, I'm sorry. I was just thinking that it's kind of colder in your climate. We, do, we um, may have a shorter growing season than some, but we do not by any means have a short or condensed growing season. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we, we do not need to do that. Our uh, uh, spring pruning is enough to, to kind of control that. Uh, bud break. Pruning also can help uh, if you have different plants that are, depending on how big your vineyard is, if you have a plant really far up the hill and really far down the hill, pruning sometimes helps get them closer to the same schedule as well because you're pruning around, you know, within a couple days of each other, hopefully. And then that helps to reset the plants in the area. I was thinking with that, it's also, again, getting back to your planning at the very beginning and picking varieties that you're not having to. And potentially, I'm guessing, certain varieties, if you're like, oh, you you want a little bit longer of a season or this our growing season is a little shorter that that you might have to employ some of these techniques. So, (laughs) Do you rub your buds? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, so uh, let's step back though. Maybe you can take on talking a little bit about what people can do for non-vineyard stuff in the springtime to help prevent some some of that spring freeze damage. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going off the cuff here <laughs> a little bit, but um, I was just thinking about like greenhouses. Um, obviously, maybe do you like, I was thinking about like with, this is a little bit of a question and maybe a proposal and maybe I just came up with a brilliant idea, but how <laughs> you put netting over the vineyards for birds protection mm. if you do some sort of netting for freeze protection yeah. um, on on your species. And that can sometimes be just like the cloth netting so that you're mm-hmm. keeping that freeze off of the bud or even, you know, maybe something else is helping actually create a... a a climbing, a, right. a, a little microclimate of, of warmth. Is that something that is employed or did I just think of a brilliant idea? You did think of a brilliant idea. We, um, yes! I've seen similar <laughs> things. So I know that it probably does happen. And depending on uh, the size of a, of a vi- vineyard, it may, might be more um, practical. You know, mm-hmm. there's kind of sometimes it just small, not- super small can be very practical because it's easy to go out and cover 10 plants or yeah. really big can be practical because it's like, well, we can't afford to lose a hundred thousand yeah. acres or I don't know how, you know, however many acres. And so to, to then be able to say, okay, so on this, in this week, we go out and we cover everything yeah. and we kind of get it going. When you're establishing... Oh, sorry. When you're establishing a vineyard, like planting, you do use grow tubes. So depending on when, what time of year, and if you have to cut things back the first season to really get them up to the wire to train them properly, sometimes those can be like little greenhouses and little um, covers that help keep. um, And they keep the deers away. That's what we use in the restoration world. Um, Yes. 
Okay, well, I was thinking too, like in the nursery industry here in the Willamette Valley, they uh, oftentimes will kind of have the cloth that's kind of at the end of the row. And when they know, hey, a freeze is coming, they literally just like roll it out. Hey, Mm -hmm. Frost, roll it back. And it's just kind of like one of those tasks that they do. And I could see it just being something that if you are in a climate or you do know, like, hey, I'm going to just like roll this out. Yeah, it takes like, you know, a little bit of time to do that. But, you know, if you get a crew out there and just everyone's rolling them out, then you could do quickly. Anyways, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe write us in if you actually already do that. Yes, please do <laughs> and that, let us know. This is a brilliant idea. <laughs> um, so another thing that you that I think of more for the beginnings is like you said with the tubes, but also like you know if you have any new starts of plants, so start those inside, start those in the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so Move is there any after other the frost? Yeah, is there any other techniques of like that? <clears throat> kind of, I don't know, that you can think of? Um, Well, not like the non-vineyard stuff, I would say. Yeah, there's like seeds to make sure you're putting them out at the appropriate time. Some seeds need to overwinter in order to understand when it's time to wake up. And some seeds are supposed to be put out in the spring. So yeah, yeah, just knowing little things like that. Um, But yeah, I think that also your local farmers and local seed shops and things like that are going to have an abundance of knowledge if you need some help or tips um, on how to make sure that (laughs) you're growing things and being successful. (laughs) I think especially again at the beginning of your time before you know all your microclimate stuff that's going on, just trying to reach out to people that are localized and and hear their success stories as well as your failures because we learn so much from that. Um, And so, and and sharing them, going to conferences like you chatted about (laughs) earlier. Um, I think that those are great ways to learn the big picture stuff and then um, planning for your microclimate and being fun and progressive and maybe coming up with some new ideas. Um, Yeah. You know, there's... Covering, cloth coverings. Yeah. Chat with, yeah. I always say learn from others and then have fun experimenting. (laughs) And note everything down so that you know what worked and what doesn't. I'm not either. (laughs) Anyways, okay. Anything else, Haley, or should we go ahead and wrap this up? Um, I don't have anything else. Is there anything else you want to mention about bud break or spring frosts? I don't think so. I think that this was a good episode. We kind of covered a lot of different things. And I think I would love to hear from people if they have any other creative uh, methods that they have employed for for these two, uh, for either delaying bud break or um, dealing with these sneaker frosts, as I call them. (laughs) Sneaker frosts. I like it. Don't get sneaker frosted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. You want to wrap it up? Yes, I do. Thanks everybody for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and we'll chat with you next week. Thanks. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.